Electricast. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest, Vincent Soberano, actor, award-winning film TV director, writer, producer, martial arts coach, and Sports Hall of Famer. Vincent studied film and television in San Diego, California, where he first started working for Stu Seagull Productions in 1991. He later moved to Los Angeles and worked in a variety of film and TV projects until eventually transitioning to the IT industry. Vincent now works in Asia behind and in front of the camera. He recently wrote and directed the horror action film Circle of Bones, which is currently in distribution and the winner of the best director and best feature film and best actress awards at the Vegas film awards. It also received acclaim as best screenplay at the horror house film festival in Los Angeles. Vincent is also the writer and director of the action fantasy film, blood hunters rise of the hybrids, which won best feature film at the NYCA film festival in New York. His recent works as writer and director also include the martial arts epic drama, the trigonal, which premiered in Cannes on May 12, 2018, and the multiple award-winning short, We Are War. Vincent also directed the award-winning National Geographic Channel documentary, On the Brink, on Uncharted Waters. In addition, he was the action director of the action comedy blockbuster, Ganda Rapido, The Revenger Squad, which broke Philippine box office awards in 2017. He is well-versed in a lot of acting, film, and directing projects, and I'm excited to have him on. He's uh, been an actor with credits in Jackie Chan's Police Story Lockdown in 2013, the UFC's The Ultimate Fighter China first season 2014, Blood Hunters 2016, as I mentioned earlier, the Trigonal 2018, Blood Hunters Rise of the Hybrids, Circle of Bones, A Hard Day, and two-time award-winning Sergio Gutierrez Garza's latest drama, Stay at Home. It's with great pleasure I welcome Vincent to the show. Welcome to the show, Vincent. Hey, thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me on uh, on your show. It's a pleasure. And right now you're in Taipei, Taiwan. Is that right? 
Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. great to have you on the show and I appreciate you joining us today. <laughs> thank I, you, thank you. I want to ask you, you have a lot of production projects under your, under your belt, a lot of credits. And I wanted to ask you, how did you first become uh, a director, an actor and be involved in the industry? Well, um, I, uh, I went to film school uh, in in California uh, back in the uh, the the mid '90s, and um, you know I, I worked I worked in the film industry for a while, and then uh, during the the internet boom, the whole you know I, IT boom, I transitioned to IT. I figured, hey, you know, why not? You know, sounds you know sounds fun. I see everyone, a lot of my friends, like uh, turning, you know, turning into millionaires, like. Overnight, I'm like, hey, let me jump on board. So I, you know, so I went into the IT industry for a little while, worked on that until I decided, you know what, I really need to go back to film. Um, I moved to um, I moved to Beijing actually on a work project, and then around that time, that's when I decided I want to to you know to go back to 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 film work. And um, uh, I started. I've always you know I've always grappled with what my um, what my direction is in film, I you know I thought I would be a, maybe a uh, an editor or you know or cameraman or whatever. But it just evolved over time because I'm a writer. You know that's my I feel that's my strongest suite. Even though I never really looked at it um, that way, but I'm well, I love to write, and so I I write a lot of scripts. I've written so many scripts. And eventually, I decided, you know what? Let me let me let me direct my own. Let pitch. I'll pitch my own scripts and see if I can, you know, get any producers interested and start directing them. You know, and um, so I started doing that. I started pitching, and then I had a few opportunities to 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 direct my own scripts, and um, and you know, the rest is history. And here I am now. <laughs> say this i i appreciate that you have this creative energy and that you can share it on our show because one of the things i like to do is present notable people and when we when i when i looked at your information i was like man i would love to have you come on and talk about how you got started but more importantly the flow of the creativity in your life and i know it takes a lot to express one's creativity in different projects and to take an idea and put it into fruition i want to ask you like from your vantage point what have you found creativity is done for you in the sense of being able to establish your projects. Like, do you do anything to kind of channel that creativity or is it something that you find you're, you're like, like I'll take a notepad with me. And if I have an idea for a concept, I'll write it down. I'll have it with me. I'll put it on my phone. Like I'll get different things that just pop in my head and I need to mm -hmm. act on. And it's like, a, it's like an itch. I got to scratch if I have an idea right. for a concept or something. Right. So I want to ask yeah. you, do you have like a similar thing you go through when you go through these creative um vibes like do you pick up on something and you're just writing it down in the middle of the day you're like i need to create this movie right so first of all as uh <clears throat> as an artist as a, as a creator my strongest suit is writing i'm a ma mainly a writer um one of the first things i do when i have an idea is i just write it down you know i write it down and i i build up on it sometimes nothing comes out of it <clears throat> until maybe about a year later you know i go back and i see a something I wrote and I just, I just have an epitome or whatever. And I'm like, Oh my God, this can be something good. And I just, then I start going off. It's happened so, so many times in that, you know, where I had an idea that I wrote like half wrote like two years, three years ago, some, some, some of them even 10 years ago, then they resurrect them, you know, just like the movie blood hunters, you know? And so 
but what writing does for me is it, um, and what my creativity does for me, it opens a lot of doors to, uh, and, and opportunities. And I feel as uh, as an artist and as a writer, <clears throat> I feel that 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 talent is sort of like both a curse and a blessing, <laughs> you know, so to speak. You know, is because when I have an idea, <clears throat> it comes to me, and and it comes to me in a very visual way, to where I have to write it down. It's so strong that it just engulfs me, and I can't I can't function. I can't do anything until I like release it and i can i only i can only release it on paper you know so um it's just so powerful i'm also an artist i i uh, i sketch i draw a lot and so sometimes i'll also draw it when i have an idea but in terms of stories that come to my head i can't draw them fast enough so i start <laughs> writing them you know and um as a kid growing up i used to draw like all these little comic book strips and i look back to the stuff that I drew as a kid, they weren't really comic books. They they were storyboards. They're storyboards for like a potential movie that's been playing in my head. <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah, and it's so compelling, and I can't stop it. You know, it's um, I I mean, there's been so many nights I'd wake up at like one, two a.m. in the morning. I'd wake up my wife. I'd be like, Sarah. Go grab grab your phone. You gotta record this. Let, let, let me just get this out of mind before I forget it. You know, before I go back to sleep and forget it. And then I will spend like the next hour or two with her, just like lying next to me, recording these ideas that's in my mind. You know, and that's the only time I can actually relax and go back to bed. You know, I love this. And yeah, so then, <laughs> it's then like you have to birth it. Yeah, You're like you have to birth it, it right? Because I can yeah, think of yeah. ideas. Yeah, I, I never. It's hard to explain to, to yeah. others when I explain that. People are like, well, why can't you just shut it off? I'm like, I can't. I don't yeah, know it's, why. It's just a curse, you know, that I can't. If I don't. It's not a curse. You know what it is? You're tapping into something that is giving you downloads in a way that you're creatively creating. Yeah. You're being inspired and your muse or whatever it is, it's giving you that download that you have to get it yeah, out. Yeah, birth okay. it. I call it birth exactly. it because what happens to me in the middle of the night sometimes I'll wake up from a sleep. I have a notepad by my bed or I'll write it on my iPhone or something. I'll just, or I'll type it on my computer. I'll come up with some idea and I have to make it like flow. I have to put it out there in order just to get it down. So I I, I know, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like a download. So it's interesting yeah. that you're laying a similar type of uh, intensity. That makes me feel like what I do is pretty normal sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've done this since I was a little kid. Yeah. I mean, the first time I, I confide, the first person I confided to about this is my dad because he, came into my room one day and it was like two two or three a.m. in the morning. I forgot. It was like in the wee hours of the morning, you know, and he came in and he's like, what are you doing up? Because my dad's a, my dad was a lawyer. So he would also stay up late if he has like litigation or whatever. And he, he has to do some research. So he'd, be, he'd burn the midnight oil as well. And then he usually go before he goes to bed, he checks around the house and make sure all the lights are off. Came comes in my room one day and I was drawing furiously. I had this like idea in my head and I had to draw it. I had to draw this storyboard of ideas and he came in and was like what are you doing up you have school tomorrow and i'm like i know that i got i just have to like release this thing off my head otherwise i can't sleep and he goes why can't you do it tomorrow i'm like i can't i just have to do it right now he looks at me for a while and he goes hmm, yeah i guess you know when you gotta take a dump you gotta take a dump right <laughs> he just got he just got then he kind of walks off that's how you kind of understood it they don't understand it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. Even so even at the stage of my life, I'm 45, and I'll talk to my mom. She's retired, and I'll, I'm real close to her, and I'll talk about my show, and she's like, "That's nice." She doesn't watch it. She's like, "That's nice." Like, I don't think parents sometimes understand creativity or how it flows or how right. important it is to express it. You know. Exactly. Uh, exactly. When you when you work and you have your different roles between being an actor and a director and a writer. And I know that requires different skill sets, but like, it's almost like putting different hats on in a way. Like I do a psychic and a lawyer and I switch these things around. Do you find that out of your roles, which of these do you like prefer? Like, I guess you like writer the most, it sounds like from what you're describing, but it sounds like you also love doing movie production as well and directing. Yeah. I mean, I love them all. It's the the entire, I love the entire process. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's just, they all go they all go together and but if i were to choose just one thing if there's one thing like let's say you know hollywood came to me with a big production and said look we love you you know we will you know we have this idea for you 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 can make a choice you can write it you can direct it you can you can you can act in it i mean what what would you do you know to me the most fun to tell the truth Obviously, and I think everyone will tell it, will say this too, is acting. You know, that's probably the most fun, right? I, you know, be I'll be a, I'll be the I'll just say, okay, well, if someone's gonna write it, then I'll you know I'll act. And if I can only pick one one thing, then I'll act. It's 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 way more fun, you know. Like, um, yeah. and uh, I, I I'm sure some people will, won't agree with that because they don't like acting, but I do. I love <laughs> acting. Yeah, I love acting as well. So I love all aspects of of production you know and um writing would be probably second okay and directing which is actually what everybody calls me in for it will probably be the last i'm like the reluctant director i've had <laughs> two films three films already that i i i set out not to be the director but to do other things like be a producer or you know be an actor um but then in the end, I ended up like, you know, I ended up directing it. And like, for example, Trigonal, uh, we we basically interviewed like, I think like six or seven potential directors and time was ticking. The the executive producers needed the movie to be to be produced, shot and produced at, you know, at a certain time, time uh, a certain period um, because of the uh, because of the weather in the Philippines, the rain seasons and all that stuff. Storm season was coming and we still haven't found a director. So, and I was supposed to be the lead of the movie in, uh, in the original script. That was the plan. I was, I was going to be one of the leads of the movie. And then when it came down to the point where we can't find a director, everyone turned to me and says, why don't you direct? You're a director. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I'm rolling my eyes going, I can't play the lead role and direct at the same time. You know? <laughs> so they're like, well, then what? Then, then, you know, then just take a smaller role and uh, and rewrite the script. So I furiously rewrote the script over a span of like like three or four days, <laughs> and um, you know, and then and then created a smaller role for myself, and you know, and then I started direct, I directed the movie. Were you like, damn yeah, it! I yeah. just wanted to be in front of the camera. I, I know, I know, right? Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the same thing happened to me in a couple other films, like Blood Hunters and all that. Yeah. I originally just wanted to produce Blood Hunters and have a, a director, but I mean, couldn't, we couldn't find one. We couldn't find one that can actually do it, you know. So, yeah. But you know, who inspired you the most, and why? 
Um, in in different ways. I mean, I have been, I take my inspiration from different in different areas because I'm very multifaceted. Uh, in terms of film, uh, there's been I man I. Okay, what inspired me in film was when I was really young. I remember they still were showing, they were still like showing double features. I was growing up in the Philippines and my dad would like on the weekends, they would take me, take me to these double features and I love Kung Fu movies. So I'd watch these Kung Fu movies and I'd, I'd, I'd like watch two movies back to back, you know, cause, um, because you, you know, because the, those movies back then were like, you know, between 60 to 60 to 80 minutes. And then they, they, you know, they, they play, play two movies back to back. So I used to watch all these Kung Fu movies and I think that really opened my eyes, you know, and into like, I really want to do something like this. And um, um, I, wa- I don't even know who the directors were. I just know that I just really enjoyed making Kung Fu movies. Then I had to have all these ideas of like, like Kung Fu films and all that stuff. And then and stories that start storyboarding them. I start writing like little comic books, um, which is actually like movie storyboards. Um, that's that's what inspired me, and then Bruce Lee came along, and then I'm yeah. like, oh my God, you know, I mean, who 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 isn't inspired by that guy, you know? Absolutely. And yeah, so um, so that in my my early days, in terms of like what really made me think about becoming a filmmaker was watching all these kung fu movies, like making you know, like and it's especially, and when you watch it, it's got its own genre, it's its own art form in and of it's itself. It's got its own art form. Yeah, right. It's it's truly one of those epic things that you just have to appreciate yeah. when you when you can when you can watch them and, and appreciate what they what they contain within them is so unique. And I, I want to ask you that when you look at those original films and what you're producing now, how do you find if there's some overlap and similarities in your mind conceptualizing it, not the script or whatever, but the ideas behind it? Are there is there some early motivation that or influence from those films that guided you in terms of what you're producing now or what you're writing about now? Mm, I have only one, actually all my movies are completely different from all this, from the, from the Kung Fu movies that I used to idolize. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that comes close in, th- in terms of genre, in terms of, you know, the, the storyline, which I wanted to make it more like, I don't know, I guess cliche, you know, because I wanted to focus more on the action was Trigonal. Trigonal is like your typical blood sport slash enter the dragon kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, kind of idea. Basically, you, you know, the 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 good guy goes into this like sort of island slash, you know, uh, uh underground fight world, you know, where you know it's you know it's do or die kind of thing. You know, so yeah. It's the basic premise of that. And it's a revenge movie, basically. <laughs> What do you, what is your view? I know you're in Taiwan right now and I know you're, you know, there's been some, some stuff going on over there. How's it producing films over there and directing stuff? And and like, what, what, what's it like for you over there right now? Well, it's actually, um, well, backtrack to like uh, a year ago, uh, we were in the Philippines. We were in lockdown in the Philippines. We were just getting ready to start shooting a film. And on the first, from first day of principal photography, the Philippine government locked down everyone. So we basically went into this, you know, this, what they call uh, ECQ or some kind of quarantine, like home quarantine, right? So everything, industry went came, came to a halt and all that. And we waited for like about three months for the lockdown to be over. It, it only got worse. So that's mm-hmm. when we decided, you know, let's go back to Taiwan because Taiwan is, you know, has no, you know, time is like zero COVID cases, right? So it's, it's, 
it's pretty much it's it's everything is normal in Taiwan. So we went back to Taiwan. Um, when we came back to Taiwan, we um, we had a project we were supposed to shoot in the Philippines. Uh, it's this movie called Stay at Home, which is actually now it's been retitled and and has been um, it's now in distribution as well. It's called Blur Stay, like you know things are blurred, right? So it's it's really a movie about about the whole quarantine you know periods in the last year, and uh, so we that that project supposed to be shot in the Philippines, and we actually took it to Taiwan because in the Philippines there's no way we could have shot it because of the lockdowns. We came back to Taiwan and everything is completely normal. People walking around, you know, without masks and, you know, in, in large numbers going to concerts, whatever. So we ended up like shooting the movie here in Taiwan last year. Um, on top of that, we also shot a, a part of a horror movie that been I've been working on. We actually shot, uh, shot the trailer for that movie so I can start pitching the film. And um, we, you know, we, we shot a few other stuff. And my wife also started uh, her own podcast slash, uh, you know, uh, web show, uh, talk shows. You know, so it's a That's excellent. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. So we were actually really busy in terms of uh, production work last, last year. And then about early part of this year, I think around March, um, COVID hit Taiwan. So not as badly as it hit like other countries like the U.S. or some or the, or the Philippines. But enough, you know, Taiwan's a very, very careful country. They, you know, people here are like super like conscious with sanitation and all that stuff because they've had they've had experience of SARS before where they were really like hit, you know, in a bad way. So Taiwan immediately reacted to to the there was a surge, there was a few hundred cases in um in Taiwan that started. And it was a pilot that brought the that brought the uh, the virus in. Um, got a lot of people infected. So then suddenly there was a surge or they were ranging like a few, a few hundred cases a day. And um, the Taiwanese people pretty much locked themselves down. You know, the, the, the country basically, the government put, uh, put, the, put the country into a, like a level three, which is not really a lockdown, but it's just more, the people are just more like conscientious and they kind of locked themselves down. So we had no production going on for, for since March. And then just about, a week and a half ago, we, you know, we're back to like level two, which means everything is sort of back to normal. So now we're kind of gearing up to, to do some, to do some production work in this next few weeks. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah, I pray you guys, yeah. I pray you guys get back to normal and, and, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. I think this, this whole pandemic has really affected a lot of people different in different ways, but in different ways. Yeah. And it's yeah. definitely affected people. That's the point, right? It's affected yeah. each of us in certain, certain manners. And, yeah. certain, and I'm, I'm just happy to hear that you're able to take a situation and make it uh, a, you know, a beneficial one for yourself. And that, that's awesome. Yeah. I, and, and I, I, I really, I'm so reluctant in telling people that because I know a lot of people have <laughs> suffered through the pandemic, and want, and I want to be sensitive enough to not tell them that <laughs> during, during, during the pandemic we actually made a lot of money, that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> so. I understand. I understand. You know, um, I'm here in Florida. It's like the Wild West here. Like people are fighting with each other and arguing about wearing masks and social distancing. And oh, doing, I know. Yeah. And I'm just, I, I just stay home. I just stay at yeah. my place. I mean, aside from a little a little incident yesterday at my place with a little fire I had to deal with, yeah, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm basically making the best. And we're having a tropical storm this weekend. I'm smiling the whole way. I'm like, it's only a tropical storm. It's not a hurricane. We'll be all right. Like, I make jokes about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
I want to ask you about Scene 8 Studios. When did you first create Scene 8 Studios? And tell us about it. Um, we created Scene 8 Studios uh, last, uh, uh, last January, actually, this year. Yeah, so... Congratulations. Um, thanks. Yeah, it was... Uh, we planned... We, we, we had planned on doing that last year. But we weren't really sure because we still have a production company in the Philippines. And we, we still have, like, a lot of, um, uh, like, productions are pending. Um, should you know the, the pandemic be over, and you know we have something to, we have some projects to work on, so we still have our company in the Philippines. So we kind of held off on, on it, but then with the flurry of activities that we had, production activities that we had last year here in Taiwan since March of last, when did it come back? Oh, since June of last year, um, we had a bunch of activities. It just, you know, it just kind of snowballed to a point where we realized that we really need to have a production company here because now. Now we're getting, you know, we're we're looking at getting grant money from from the film commission, that kind of thing. We're we're applying for grants, or you know, we're just there's so many different. And now we have we actually like my wife's show. She actually has advertisers now for her show for you know, for her podcast. So, and um and and her she's got a social media show as well, linked to that podcast. And so she's she's getting a lot of advertisers, and we you know to be able to handle all that stuff, we need we needed a company. So we started the company last January, Cnate Studio, and um, mainly to be able to handle all the all the all the jobs that we were getting in. Let's talk about Alex, April, and Ray. It's a movie. Alex, that, April, and Ray. Yeah. Alex. Okay, so this movie has gotten to so many different titles. It started off. The working title was "Stay at Home" because they okay. didn't know what to call it, and the second one was Alex, April, and Ray. Okay. which is the characters in the movie. And then finally, <laughs> the director, uh, Sergio, uh, Sergio Guerrero, he changed it. He finally, made, uh, finally changed it to Blur Stay, B-L-U-R-S-D-A-Y, like Blur, Blur Stay. Okay. So officially on IMDb, if you, you can find it as Blur Stay. That's, that's the movie that I told you that we were supposed to shoot in the Philippines, but okay. we ended up shooting in, in Taiwan. Okay, okay. It, it, was, it was shot in three... It's actually shot in three countries during the pandemic. It's crazy. You know, and it, that's interesting you say that. Um, I think Hollywood's been pretty creative right now with the, the advent and the explosion of podcasts, right? I very, think that's something that I've seen happening. I had a Kyle Chevron on who's an independent producer, and they, they have a podcast mm -hmm. uh, that were professionally produced because it's easier to do that than it is to do the film production right now because of all the restrictions going on, especially in, in the United States and other countries. And I, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned your wife has a podcast. I've been doing this for four years. Where do you see podcasting going in the future? Do you think it's going gonna, it's gonna to eventually blend in with other type of media? And do you think, like, how do you see it from your mind being a creator and being you know, in the movie and film industry? Well, I see, I see podcasting. I, I think it's here to stay, at least for the next several years. And then what happens is because of the pandemic, people are like, they're afraid to go out so much. You know, they want to stay in touch. The podcasts, a lot of the podcasts now are like, uh, are so interesting because they have, they bring in like a lot of interesting personalities. It's fun to listen to, listen yes. to all these different people. Like, you know, you, it, it keeps you in, in it, it, it gives you a, a sense of what the world out there is, is like without having to travel. Right. So, so I think podcasting is here to stay and how it's going to evolve. I feel that it's already evolving where a lot of podcasts now, like my wife's, for example, um, she also 
publishes she she she's got so several social media channels she also puts out the clips in social media cha- channels she's got a youtube channel so a lot of her interviews uh no, actually all of her interviews also go into her, into her youtube yes. channel so it gives people like that option if they want to watch it they can watch it then the, and then through the podcast she also does other creative things like she'll do because she does a parenting podcast um and primarily like targeting like parents of like toddlers or younger children and, and newborns so sometimes she'll do things like a live science experiment for kids, you know, and she'd had people like parents would, would actually like, would like join the zoom session live. I'm thinking of a volcano, you know, the volcano experiment. That's always they been did that. <laughs> they did something like that. They did like, not really a volcano experiment, but they did like, uh, I forgot what they did, but they actually like made like, uh, something fizzle you know it's like oh it's like so cool. a ro- rocket experiment or something like okay. that yeah yeah but anyway the kids love it so it's become really interactive and i've seen other people also do similar things like they, they'd have a podcast but then they'd go live and do like an instructional workshop with people so it's really evolved into just a podcast i remember one one of my favorite podcasts is obviously joe rogan you know and i i've never actually seen his his Facebook, uh, I mean not Facebook, his uh, YouTube show. I just listened to his podcasts on you know on on, on iTunes, but um, but it's 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 really like evolved to more than just that now. You know, people actually want to watch. You know, so watch the whole thing. So yeah, I well, think it's it's really evolving. And I think that you know, so many people focus on the negativity of what's happened in the last two years, but when you look at the positive aspects of it, right, which is the yeah. advent of, of people being able to express themselves because everyone's like locked down and stuck inside. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of people are making lemonade out of that. You know, they're 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 letting their creative juices flow and they're and they're making the best of it. And I think for someone like yourself, I, I, being creative is is this outlet of energy that enables you to uh, not just live your life. But yeah. then to share your experiences to your creative form as, with, as well yeah, as your wife, right? Yeah, and, and that's a beautiful thing. That's like a, a Van Gogh painting in it, you know, this amazing portrait or, or, or painting to, to put on a stucco wall or something. It's like when you can create your your, your films and it goes out there. And, you, and do you ever go back later and like sit with like circle of bones or circle of bones or look at one of your earlier projects and do you just like put on Netflix or whatever, <laughs> whatever you can watch it through and just kind of sit there and. And do you watch yourself or do you, do you ever like appreciate uh, earlier no, I parts don't. of your projects I, and where you're at now? Like how I do you, can't, how do you do it? I can't, I can't watch it. <laughs> I really, I, the only reason I would watch it is because, um, because I'm trying to critique it or there's something, some changes I need to make or whatever. But once it's done, once it's released, I refuse to watch it. I just, <laughs> I, I can't even stand seeing myself on screen. I, I I love doing I love doing it. I love like acting and all that stuff. But but once it's out there, I I like cringe. I'm like, oh my god, what? How can anyone stand me? You know. But well, you know, the movie's selling. Get, so do you so get maybe. flashbacks? <laughs> do you get flashbacks of when you actually did the scene or when you actually created it? I like, do. I do. Personal aspects of that part. Yeah, like, I do. When I when I do some scenes, I like I kind of have flashbacks with it. I'm like going, God, I could have done it better. You know. <laughs> Oh man! I, but no one else knows that, but you. You're the only person. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Way, right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm. I'm like really my 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 biggest uh, my biggest critic. You know. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I want to ask you about your martial arts background. How did you get involved in that? And share that with our audience. Like where, uh, when you first became involved in Muay Thai. 
I believe. Muay Thai, yeah, yeah, Muay Thai, yeah. And uh, um, yeah, uh, well, martial arts has always been always been part of my my life. You know, like it it kind of like started around the same time as my love for film. You know, watching these uh, kung fu movies and and uh, watching these kung fu movies, I'm like, I want to do something like that. That looks like fun. And my dad like uh, originally took me to to study like uh, Taekwondo and Tang Soo Do. And I, I, it was okay. I, I liked it, but there was something missing, you know, and obviously I didn't want to just do the forms and all that stuff. So there's really something missing. Um, I, I, I go back to all the Kung Fu movies, movies where I see these guys jump around and hit each other and all that stuff. Right. And I'm like, I, I want to do something. I want to do martial arts. Just, that's more real, you know? And, and, um, at that time, I mean, there's, you know, there's just karate and taekwondo. And then, and then one day we watched a fight at Lumpini Stadium in, in, in Bangkok. I uh, watched my first Muay Thai fight. And I'm like, oh, my God. I just, my jaw just dropped to the floor. I'm like, oh, my God. I see these guys elbowing them, each other in the head, like, you know, kneeing, knees, elbows, kicks to the head, like, like full on. No, no one stops. No one gives anyone points. You just basically fight until, you know, one guy gets knocked down, knocks out or whatever. You know, at the end of the day, they don't even go with a point system. It's just the most aggressive guy just basically just wins, you know, and wow. um, if, if no one gets knocked out. And I told my dad, I said, dad, this, this is what I want. This is the martial art I want. I want a martial art where I'm really, really like kicking ass out there. You know, I want full contact. And um, reluctantly, you know, my dad finally like, got me found found a, a Muay Thai coach for me and I was about 10 years old and the rest was history I never stopped ever since I never stopped you know even if I even when I was working full-time or working in film or working in IT even now as a dad you know martial arts is still a big part of me you know I uh, I train as much as I can whenever I can you know it's just one of those things that you just can't get rid of it's like it's like food food for <laughs> You know. and you're a world champion in it too as well i was, I was yeah yeah share that yeah. with our audience i know you're humble and i don't want to like make you uncomfortable <laughs> ask you questions but it's it's an amazing accomplishment so i wanted to see if you could yeah. share that with us a little bit well um i won my first title back um i mean back then there was like multiple organizations there were smaller organizations uh i won my first title back in 1994 and um 94 and 95 and then I stopped fighting in 96. And uh, in 2006, I, I stopped fighting for like 10 years. In 2006, I made my comeback. I decided to fight again. Um, and uh, I was living, in, I was living in, in, in Asia at that time already. And uh, then I started going, take, you know, taking like long, you know, long training trips to, to Thailand. I started training in Thailand around 2006 and started fighting. By 2007, I fought the Queen's Cup, which is kind of like a world, you know, like a world title event and stuff. I fought the Queen's Cup and won. And then I fought the King's Cup the same year and also won. So that's two, that's two titles. That's two basically world titles. Wow. And, then, um, and then the following year, I fought in another, uh, another organization, um, WPMF, and also won the world title from a weight class. So, wow. yeah, so yeah, so then... Yeah, and congratulations. Thanks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have a lot of skill sets. I, I would like to say, do you think, and I'm thinking of this as we're just talking right now, do you think there's going to be a future genre of more kung fu type movies 
for a new generation coming up in the future? And what role do you think that would be look like? Well, they're like Kung Fu movies, they're they're coming back. I mean, they're back. That's what I mean, yeah. But it's just they're back in a different with a different look. It's the same feel, just a different look. You know, they're I guess you can say they're they're a lot more violent. Like Kung Fu movies 2.0 upgraded. (laughs) Exactly. I would I would call it more like like 4.0 or something like that. Yeah, they're pretty violent now. I mean, and it's pretty no. They were violent before too, but it's like you know the stories are a lot different. They're 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 grittier. They're a lot grittier. Even the way they're filmed are grittier. Like like that that series uh, Warrior. Have, have you seen that? Um, yeah, it's it's very gritty. It's very violent. A lot of martial arts, you know. And then um, recently in movies, they integrate that in the mar- in the uh, sort of the, um, the superhero movies. Like um, what's that? Snake Eyes is out. Tons and tons of martial arts in that movie. Um, yeah, there's a lot. It's it's basically finding its way into mainstream films. A lot of the mainstream films would actually have martial arts, you know. And um, I think a Kill Bill but, type of movies, you know, like Kill Bill. But the Kill Bill, yeah. Oh, I love those. I wish <laughs> I wish would make more of those. Yeah. Now, th- those kind of movies, I haven't seen much of. I wish they would make more of those. I'd it's a hybrid, make, right? You're taking. You're taking and you're morphing a couple different types yeah. of genres into a new yeah. kind of thing. And that's why I think yeah. it's such, a, it's such a, a classic and it's such a hit in, in, yeah, in yeah. theaters, right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually love, I love that. I, um, I wish they would make more movies like those. I mean, Tarantino also made like the, uh, uh was a, uh, the, uh, um, man with the iron fist. Yeah. He did that. And, uh, but, I mean, it, it's not the same. It's not. It's not like Kill Bill. I love Kill Bill. It's just so different. It, the the martial arts is like very cliche, very hokey, but you totally enjoy it. You know, yeah. I wish they'd make more of those. I, well, I'd like to make. I'd, I'd like to make one of those. <laughs> well, and I could see you doing that actually. Yeah, I can see you with it. a creative genre, some type of movie that's a yeah. hybrid as well. Like exactly. A kind of yeah. Kill Bill yeah. Type of of film, and I, I'd yeah, be yeah. loving to watch that. I'd love to see. The production of it and see it out there what do you um what do you think when you're looking at the united states right now and you watch us from you know over there where you're in taiwan and in asia but what do you what do you think of the stuff going on with aapi stuff and and discrimination um with asian americans and i was gonna see like what do you what, what's your views on it and how do you think we could change it in our society in the film industry um, too, hollywood yeah stuff. yeah well i hate to say it but you know, I mean, um, the traditionally Asians, Asians in America, I mean, they're just now starting to take a stand, but they've been very like passive and kind of complacent about this stuff. They're kind of like Asians are kind of like, uh, when, especially when I was living in the states, people they're more like you know I'm just gonna steer clear away from trouble and I'm, I'm I'm happy to be uh, not not second class citizen, but I'm happy to be a minority. You know, because it doesn't matter. I have a great life. You know, I have a great life. I have a great job. You know, I have a fat bank account. It doesn't matter. So, okay. So I'm a minority. No, no big deal. You know, so you don't like me. That's fine. You know, I mean, so you don't include me in your group. Fine. I have, I have my own group and we all, we, you know, we're all, we're all rich, that kind of thing. So it's not, um, because economically, a lot of Asians have always been like okay right they're like middle class and upper middle class and up um he hasn't really like made a big 
impact on 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 them until until like during COVID, you know, when when the, all this stuff started coming in. Um, as in uh, living living in the states back then, working in the film industry, I that's one of the reasons I came back to to Asia is I feel like it's really hard for me back then to break into become a director, for example. And um, this is in the nineties, you know, it's yeah. really hard. It's really hard to become a director. And this is one of the reasons why I transitioned to, to it because working in the film industry in the nineties, I, I could just see that my ceiling is like really low and mainly because I'm Asian, you know, I'm not. You know, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I hate to say that people may disagree with me because it's no, I mean, Asian, Asian Americans actually made it to the top but when you really look at the number of us that we're trying to get in for in terms of racial proportion versus the number of the Asians that actually made it to the top it's such a small it's less than one percent you know it's just um the the just the the opportunities weren't there for us back in the 90s I transitioned into into IT where you know, it didn't really matter. You know, it's like an actually, it was kind of like Asian driven. Um, and, uh, and then eventually when I was, when I came back to Asia, I saw that, oh, I'm, I'm mainstream now, you know, I'm not minority anymore, you know? So I got back to the film industry and of course I didn't feel the pressures that I felt in, 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 uh, in, in the U S and I, I was even bolder you know, in terms of like wanting to become a director, wanting to mm. be the top dog of a production. You know, so, uh, I, yeah, so I venture out to that. But, yeah, I feel that it's um, it's still tough in the U.S., but I feel that the Asians now, because of COVID, it kind of uh, woke everyone up, and now they're, like, looking not just – it's not just COVID anymore. It's not just the response to, to the discrimination because of COVID, but now they're just really bonding together. The AAPI has – it's unbelievable that that organization has so much money has billions, heart, and billions of dollars. You know, yeah. My heart yeah. goes out when I watch, yeah. you know, atrocities on TV or I'm just hearing things and just hearing you share that just now, my heart goes out to you because I, you know, I'm a white male in the United States, but I, you know, George Floyd last year, it really opened my eyes to the differences in our society. And we're not, we're not as multiculturally blended as you'd like to think. I, I bought into it a long time ago to become an attorney myself. Like right. I believe in our constitution, yeah. the American dream and all that, but then I'm also looking at what is reality right now, what's on the ground and what's in the streets. And, mm-hmm. you know, I appreciate you sharing your perspective and point of view, like for me to do my show and ask questions <laughs> like that and get you to share that. It's like, you're taking that mask off that that external thing that we can look at and you can look so you know you can have these amazing films and these amazing amazing projects but when you get real and you say yeah you know what jason when i was in the united states there is certain things that i had limitations on i could not do what i'm doing right now and and, you know that that makes me say well it's time to change that sometime someday i wish we could change that united states you know because the census came out yesterday for 2020 the results of it and like some media reports and I smiled when I saw the reality is that the, the, the white population in the United States is shrinking. You know what? That's the reality of the future of the country. We're a multicultural blended society. Right. And I look at things from, a, as a psychic, I look at things from a spiritual point of view. We're all made up of spirit. <laughs> These are just external bodies, you know? And so right, right. Yeah. I know it sounds yeah. lofty to talk like that. And I'm probably having my head in the clouds sounding like that to my audience. But from my vantage point, I, I just think everyone, if you have your talent, like you have these amazing accolades and awards, you got to be recognized for that. 
And you got to have the ability in the United States to get the acclaim you deserve because yeah. I, I see that coming to you in the future. I see you having larger projects here in the United States as well as in Asia. And I see you right. working with some big names that you're going to be excited about in the future and you're going to have your own opportunities. So I, I'll blend that into the interview to tell you that, but I'll say thank you. I absolutely so, 100%. Yeah. And I see, I see yeah. it in your future. And I think you're going to be very vocal in, in different things. And, and I'm, I'm excited that you came on our show to share what you're sharing now, what you're doing. Cause I think you are meant to be in cinema and you're meant to be in film because I mean, ah, you could do Kung Fu, you could do it, you could produce your wife's podcast, but I think your greatest gifts are meant to be in front and behind the camera and coming up with the writing of the schematics. Cause I think that your films are going to inspire a lot of, they already do, but they're going to continue to inspire people. Thank you. Thank you. I I think sometimes when we go through situations in our lives, we have perspective that we can offer to others. Right. And what you're really, when you think about it, you're a storyteller, you tell stories. Like I, you know, you get to tell a story anytime you produce a film or you write a script or you do a project. And I wanted to ask you how does spirituality or your perspective with spirituality factor into your creative flow, your creative juices for your films and for your projects? Like how do you find your connection to spirituality. And I, I don't mean it has to be just a religious thing. I, I say spirituality for me, it means having your insight, your intuition, your, your, you know, when I, when I do certain things, I meditate a lot. So I'm grounded there. And I know when you do martial arts, there's a lot of grounding you do as well to have the perspective to train. Well, um, as a person, I am, I'm a spiritual person. I mean, I was, I was born religious, you know, religious. I have a very religious family in the Roman Catholic and stuff, but I kind of like got away from the whole religion thing for, for a long time. And instead I became a much more spiritual person. I, like you said, I believe that, you know, that the skin, the, whatever we, our physical, our physical stuff, these are all temporary shells. And what lasts forever is the energy, the, you know, the soul, you know, whatever you call it. Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's contained in our bodies, but it's actually connected to the rest of the. The You're speaking my language, man. (laughs) Connected, you know this, 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 this energy source that we have. I mean, this this energy force that we have that keeps us going, keeps us creative, keeps us doing whatever we do as as, you know in, in our life as humans. It's actually connected to the rest of the universe. So you know, so when we pass on, this energy goes back. And yeah. reforms itself into whatever else, right? You know, into whatever life is in the, in the infinity, you know, whatever consciousness comes out of this. But because of that, I feel that a lot of the stuff, like even my creativity, my ideas, I feel that it's not just my own. It's, exactly. I feel like the, the universe is, is talking to me somehow. It's, and, and it's and not in a human way. Not in a way where it's saying, hey, you must make this movie or you must, must make a story like that. It just affects me. It nudges me into a direction that I need that I need to do. I stop, I stop like resisting life, you know, and, and being judgmental of myself or even of other people because life nudges me in d- different ways. I've 
You know, I call them nudges, but I have a theory. My theory is that if someone's really successful as a producer, director, as a professional athlete, as a politician, and they've excelled in certain ways, that there's some intuitive ability that that person has. My point in sharing that with you is I believe very heavily in that. And I think, you know, the fact that you're able to share that today, it just, in, in terms of your own insight, you know, um, you may not agree with everything I just said, but your insight on that is, is, is very intriguing to me. And, and I consider that just amazing to share that. I appreciate it. Do you, do you have viewpoints about like, have you felt that you have intuition? You've called, you called it nudges. I used to call them vibes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I call them vibes too. <laughs> That's I before I realized vibes. I was intuitive. I'm getting a vibe from you that you're going to have a kid next year. And next thing you know, they had a kid. My brother calls them vibes still, but I, I read people now formally. So for me, it's just, it is what it is, but that that's fascinating to me to think that you may have intuition and that's something that's a part of your creative flow. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I call them vibes, but, uh, but if I resist them, and they and I end up like being pushed in that direction anyway. I call them nudges. Okay. And nudges can actually be can actually be painful. For example, sure. if you have a vibe that you like, okay, you kind of have if you feel like you kind of have to go this path, but you're like, you know what, I don't want to go that path, you know. But somehow, somehow, you know. you, yeah. Sometimes, like maybe even a, even tragedy, tragedy strikes and forces you to go in this path, whether it's painful or not, it's what I call a nudge. It's when we start resisting our destiny and then the universe pushes us anyway. You know, it's like, you know, when you're like, when, uh, when you're walking your kid and your kid's like, you know, like just wants to run across the street or something like that. And you know, cars and stuff. And you basically just grab them a little bit forcefully. And yeah, it hurts a little bit and they cry. And then in their mind, it's like, why'd you do that? Why'd you knew you hurt me? Da, 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 you stopped me or whatever. If, because they live in this bubble, right? And they only understand what's inside this bubble. They don't realize that, you know, had you let them run through, they would, you know, this scar would have hit them. That oh, yeah. Of, yeah. You're saving yeah. someone's life, your child's life. And then for them, they see you as resisting right. and trying to control them. But that's us as individuals, yeah. as, as even as like mature adults that we think we're smart or whatever, right? So that's us walking through life. Sometimes right. this invisible force, the universe basically nudges us because we're not supposed to be going that way we think we're supposed to go that way because it seems like a cool thing but that's not what the universe is intended somehow that's not what the exactly you know, you know it will disrupt the energy of the world or the you know the, the 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 energy source or whatever and it has to be this way so you end up going that way because you serve a purpose have you ever noticed synchronicity in your life that's something big for me like when i think about something and then the time lines up or i'll get put in a certain direction or a path and it lines up with something i was thinking about from a few weeks before and next thing you know i'm recognizing it as something i'm supposed to do like <laughs> yeah it, it's a lot of different examples it could be it could be anything but i wanted to see if you if you recognize that as a force it's kind of like a, a it's like a, a, a directional thing yeah it sure is yeah yeah. It's like a lane that you have to get into. Yeah. You didn't see it until you got into it. And you're like, oh, shit. Thank God I'm here. Oh, yeah, this is the right lane for me. And that kind of thing, you know. So it's that feeling they get when you get there, like, oh, my God, synchronicity. And then you you meet the right people. You end up going into the right, you know, lane together. And you're like, oh, gosh, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. But it, I- it's, it's true. I can't believe how fast this interview goes. It goes so fast. I want to ask you, how can our audience find you? I'm going to have your information in our show notes, but I wanted to see if, if there's any, if you want to direct them to your site or if there's anything in particular, a movie or project you want them to consider. 
Um, sure. I mean, I'm pretty easy to find. I mean, my um, I'm on my my website is vincentsubrano.com. That's my professional <laughs> site. I'm on I'm on Facebook. Uh, my official Facebook page is uh, Vincent Sobrano Films. Uh, Facebook slash Vincent Sobrano Films. Or you can just search me as Vincent Sobrano. Easy to find. I'm also on Instagram as Vincent Sobrano. It's Excellent. pretty easy. And on Twitter as Vince Sobrano. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm easy to find. Or just just Google me. Okay. <laughs> I want to ask you this. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? Does it have to be a real animal? It could be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> I believe, yeah, I believe I'm a dragon. Yeah, I, I exhibit and I just have all the traits of the of a dragon. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I mean, it's been such a delight to share all this with you and to get your viewpoints like that. That's so rewarding for me to have this opportunity for us. And I know it's late at night, your time right now. And you're like on are you on Saturday right now? You're 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 uh, like, yeah, we're we're fr Friday night. Friday, Friday night. night. So it's eleven o'clock at night, your time. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, and sharing such a remarkable background story and everything else. I just I appreciate you being able to <laughs> to grace our show with this. I just I appreciate you. So <laughs> I thank, thank you, you so much. I just want to thank Vincent Serrano for coming on the show today and sharing his insight. And I you can't really talk about a more well-rounded and so many amazing skill sets. I mean, you're talking about award-winning film, TV director, actor, writer, producer, martial artist, world champion, sports hall of famer. We didn't even get into that. Plus, he's a coach. And and I'm gonna tell you, he's got big things coming up. So you don't win a bunch of awards with different independent film projects and get, and, and get to do all these things and not keep going. And that's what I see. The word keep going just keeps coming off of Vincent. I think he's going to be super successful. I think he's going to be in Hollywood doing a lot of production films in the future. And I definitely think a lot of writing things. And, and so definitely check him out for his website. Scene 8 Studio is in the show notes. And I will share all his social media, VincentSobrano.com, Vincent Sobrano, Sobrano Films and the Facebook group and everything else. I I find it fascinating when we can get notable people on the show to talk about real life things and talk about things that you don't normally hear in mainstream media, you know, AAPI stuff going on here in the United States. And those things bother me. And I'm, I'm praying to God that by having awareness and having candid, frank discussions, we can change minds one at a time. And when we change minds, we can change hearts. And when we're creative, we can express a part of ourselves that lives on. And each of Vincent's projects will live on. Each of these episodes will live on. Keep in mind, if you're a creative, aspiring person in our audience, check Vincent out. Look at his information for influence, positivity, and I, I really do consider him a trailblazer. So keep this all in mind. Stay positive. I know that's been some challenging times we're going through right now, but things are going to get better. So when you stay positive... You're going to see things are going to improve. So I'm, I'm really excited about producing more content and sharing additional amazing people like Vincent in the future. Until next time, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms and know that the universe is always yours to explore.
With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win! Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electricast. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. 